0: This episode of the Oh No No podcast is sponsored by Dynamic Industrial Services, the rope access specialists. Every week we talk about the rover's latest attempts to climb the SPFL ladder, but sometimes even a ladder won't reach. The IS are specialists in working at height, offering maintenance, inspection, repair and more, right across Scotland. So if you need a rope access specialist and you want a premiership service, Visit dynamicindustrialservices.co.uk to find out more.
1: And welcome back to Oh No, 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 the only podcast dedicated to the SPFL's nail-biting specialists. That was match week 24 in the Scottish Championship and the Rovers continued the record of league games not being decided by more than a single goal, uh, this time running out 2-1 winners over Air United at Somerset Park. Uh, my name is Duncan Cameron and joining me this afternoon to talk through this one uh, we've got, uh, well, first of all, uh, someone who I'm sure is fully utilising his local bragging rights after the Rovers won twice down in the air for the first time since 2008. It's
2: it's Graham Meldrum. How are you, mate? I'm I'm great. I'm I'm actually wanting Al Jolson to start singing. I'm sitting on top of the world.
1: <laughs> Fair play. Uh, we've also got Scott Fleming. How are you, mate?
3: Yeah, really good. Cheers. It's good to, to get the three points, as you say. that records uh now gone we've done that a few times this season though a couple of records uh, banished
1: aye, that's it we're, we're really firmly putting paid to the uh the history books and just writing uh, writing new chapters something that uh i that, that just it's nice to see isn't it just not having to stick to these same old stories that we've been hearing for for years and years
0: Um uh, also got robbie Weir too how are you robbie yeah, good. Not uh, not proclaiming my happiness in the same way maybe Graham is, but we um, have got my, my River Island-ASOS combination on, so I don't know if the fashion police still shoot me after this, but we'll see how we go.
1: Fair play. We'll check the YouTube comments anyway. And uh, making his return to the podcast after a good few weeks away, uh, we've also got John Greer. How are you, John?
4: I'm very well. Uh, one week it's fashion, now he's bringing up hip and trendy folk like Al Jolson.
1: <laughs> uh, nothing but cutting edge references here on the uh, the oh no 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 podcast um right just before we we jump into this game uh, i just want to kind of uh, apologize i suppose so i've woken up full of the cold this morning so um apologies if that comes across and, and sort of affects your uh, your listening experience um or if you're, you're watching the youtube and you have to keep watching me blow my nose um and uh, also Thanks to an accident in the M80, I also didn't make it into the ground until about 25 past three <laughs> yesterday, so uh, I've got very little to offer on the, the part of the game where pretty much everything actually happened. But uh, before we get to that, let's uh, let's start where we normally do. Um, and Scott, come to you first, uh, give me your thoughts on the, the starting lineup. So I think uh, three changes, um, Lee Ashcroft, Scott Brown and Dylan Easton uh, coming in from the Uh, the side that started against Dundee United on Friday night?
3: Yeah, I mean, I actually thought it would have gone pretty much the same. Obviously, we didn't know about Ewan Murray uh, leading up to the game, so uh, it was a little bit of a surprise, but at the same time, when you've got somebody like Lee Ashcroft to come in, there's absolutely no worries with that, and it's a very experienced uh, head to put in there, and somebody that's played in a back four in that role, plenty of times in this division. So, no, I, I was happy enough with that. Happy enough with the team. We also knew that obviously Sean Byrne was a doubt where through uh, what we heard on Thursday with the uh, the paper and stuff because he's knocked that he took with that elbow. But no, I think I could kind of see that sort of lineup. But I, I just thought he might have gone with the same team from uh, the Dundee United game. I just going forward, I just hope that he keeps this. Back four because it seems to be like obviously it's easy to say we've won two games in a row, but we just look more comfortable just from the offset in games. But I'm just hoping that he keeps going forward with it. But uh, no, I I was happy to see Easton back in. He's the last couple of sub appearances, he's looked a lot more lively and kind of like himself again. So I think he deserved. To come back in, and uh, yeah, obviously we'll talk about the game in general. Um, but, uh, and then yeah, I think as I say, back four, I, I was happy enough.
1: Yeah, it's, it's worth pointing out in terms of the back four. Um, I know Leslie's been keeping his uh his his back four tracker up to date, and um, with Lee Ashcroft, obviously we'll, we'll come on and talk about him, but presumably, uh, you know, zero chance he's going to make it to Tuesday. That'll be eighteen games. On the bounce, where we've had some sort of change in the in the back four, um, so you know, half an entire league season without being able to name the the same as a back four uh, and possibly the goalkeeper, um, which is is remarkable as much as anything, uh, particularly for a team that's sitting second in the division. Um, Graham, coming to you next, um, yeah. Any thoughts on the the starting lineup that you want to give us, and then uh, kind of take us into the take us into the game as well. And, um, I mean obviously the, the the goal was pretty early on, so uh, yeah, take us take us right up to the goal, give us your thoughts on
2: that as well. Okay. Um starting at eleven wasn't too far away from what I thought it would be. Um we thought we thought Ashcroft would come in, we thought Brown would come in for burn. so there was there was no surprises there. Um what was interesting is walking to the game and um, seeing the updates that one of the air centre backs was very quickly ill. I don't know how you get an illness between being named in the team at two o'clock and then they two, you you're ill. Don't quite get that. Um, but the upside of that was they brought in Nick McAllister at right back. And I think if you look back to the two games at uh, Somerset Park, all four goals have come down the side where you would assume a right back would be. So that was quite a boost. That was a boost before the game because I thought it was going to be a draw. Then heard that, thought we're going to win. Met my wonderfully smelling friend, Mr Dolan on the way into the ground. So then I thought it's definitely our day. And then had a, a blether with the. Uh, my favourite player's dad, which I thought, this is just, you know, life imitating art. Um, so yeah, that was bizarre even before we got in the ground. Um, getting to the game itself, um, I I thought we looked very much in control at the start. Um, certainly on the front foot, certainly pushing forward. Um, the break for the first goal from Mullen was excellent. It was, a, it was a sloppy ball. He's got past somebody, he's actually tried to take him out in the run pretty early, just at a halfway line. He's kept going, wonderful cross, and Ruddon's peeled off his man and, and put in a great finish. Yeah, all to plan. United didn't even, I think, Got anywhere near our goal by that point, and there we were 1 0, no broken sweat, happy days. I take
1: it, is it McAllister that Rudden runs off of at the back post there?
2: The back, I think it's uh, the boy, the Comarnic. Uh, Sanders. Sanders.
1: Because I thought he that was um, when I watched it on the highlights. It's terrible defending. The I mean, latest it's it's really poor us. defending. Yeah, it's really poor defending the whole way. Cause, I mean, first of all, they just turn the ball over in the middle, which is it's a slack pass. But then mm. Mullin does really well, just no doubt in his mind. He, he straight away knows what he's doing. But there's four of them yep. go chasing him, but not really with enough conviction to actually stop him. Like They, they managed to essentially dissuade him from running in on goal. But Josh Mullen was never going to run in on
0: goal. He always wants the cross and they leave that open. It's a bit and, like um, the um the Airdrie goal in the Challenge Cup semi-final against us, where Todorov just gets free left completely at the back, and we've got yeah. four players going in towards the ball. very similar to that. And it was
1: uh it was actually it was an air fan on uh Py who kind of clipped this out, so thank you to them for, for saving me having to do it. But the as Mullen puts that cross in, or as he goes to kind of shape up for the cross, Ruddin is on so the defender is essentially on the right side of Mullen. Like he's he's in he's uh, of Ruddon, he's where he should be, and then just doesn't move as Ruddon drifts right across into that dangerous area and then it's it's a it's a really, really good finish. Um but yeah, very, very poor defending. Um I don't know how much a, a late change has, has maybe affected him there, but um Robbie give me your thoughts on the, the goal as well, please.
0: Yeah, um, it must be frustrating from an air perspective when you've watched uh, Josh Mullin do that time and time again last season during his sort of hot streak with them. So for him to step up at Somerset and to, to swing in a ball, and I think you've got to give credit as well to to Zach Ruddham because he peels away from the man, does really well to get it on target, keeps it nice and straightforward. It's very easy to overthink in that situation and he's just stuck at home, so 2-2 two two for him, and uh, again, we'll come on to, to the assist as well later on, but what a, just really great to see that start in the game, and we've, over the last few games, we've started really strongly, getting early goals from whether it's him or Jack Hamilton, so that's a real positive that we can take from games, that we're, we're not just finishing them strongly, we're starting them strongly as well now, which uh, is good
1: yeah definitely and and um John, I want to hear your thoughts on the goal, but also you can take us right up to the equalizer as well because as far as the rover's highlights go that's that's pretty much air's first attack was that was that really the case was it a bit of a kind of sucker punch um or was the was the opening ten minutes fairly even
4: i think um the as everybody said, the goal was uh, a well worked goal, and Rudden did very well um it really was their kind of first real kind of get down at us. I think uh, I think Ian Lattow said it quite clearly in her in, in chat, where he said it wasn't much a free kick they got. It, they, it seemed nothing to a challenge, and, and they seemed to get a free kick. Um, they then swung the ball over. I felt Ruddon got fouled at the back post, mm. um, which... Mr. McLean did me appear to see. I think we were a wee bit unfortunate then because you could see that you've got two central defenders that have never played with each other because unfortunately they both go for the same the same ball. Um, tried to clear it. Head, both go up for the same header and it just breaks the guy and he does well to put it away and then ran straight to over to where we were which I didn't appreciate, but that's another thing. Um, yeah, it was a wee bit disappointing that we lost the, the goal so quickly, but it was understandable in in the the way that you had two central defenders making their first appearance with each other. Um, so I wasn't too disappointed at, at that stage, because I, I felt we, we were always going to be better than them.
1: Yeah, I thought it was interesting in Ian Murray's interview. Where uh, Davy asked him about that goal, and he more or less said, "Like, <laughs> kind of wondered if that might happen." You know, when you you look at the teams together, especially as defenders, they're all kind of big units. When I mean, you're playing Frankie Masson that left back, you know you you're, you're gonna win your fair share of headers, and then I think, yeah, again, you, you look at it. There's definitely elements where you're a little bit disappointed. I mean, effectively, all of the Rovers back four has a shot at defending that. So um, I think it's uh, James Brown was the first header that he doesn't win. Then it's Liam Dick's man, and again doesn't win that. And then, as you say, Jonas Ashcroft and um, Watson both go for the same one. But there's none of them where it's like kind of criminal defending. Uh, I didn't think um, it's just a case of it's it's almost fifty-fifties, and we happen to have not won them. But um, Scott, give me your thoughts on on that, please.
3: Yeah, I agree. With the fill, I thought it was very soft when I seen it. And I I thought it was even softer when I watched the highlights again at night. But, uh, again, it's just, I know it's 2 set and a centre-halves so that haven't played together. I'll give them a little bit of leeway with that. I just think it's, again, another set piece that we've conceded from. And it, it, it at one point, we're going to crack this how we deal with it. But I'm hoping it's going to be this season at some point. But... We've been doing it for the last season and a bit now, and I, I don't I, I just don't know how or why we've not dealt with it by now. Because I mean, Ian Murray himself was a sort of no nonsense midfielder slash defender. I think he, I thought if anything, him and John Port would be able to sort this by now. But I don't know what it is. But and I also I felt that big Kev, for the time that the ball was knocked over from the back post to the other post. He had plenty because it wasn't like a, a, like a, it was a sort of looping header. And I thought he had time. He's six with six, use your frame, but he's stuck. He's almost like he's stuck to his line every time. And you can hear him actually in the highlights, like shouting commands and everything. You're going, nah, just use your size and just whether you slap it or punch it clear. Just I think he's, he's not giving his defence any chance to try and breathe at any time for a set piece they're probably worried that, right, he's no coming for this, so I've got to deal with it. And then the two of them, I, the communication isn't there and they've run into each other. And Obviously, the boys just luckily it's bounced to him and he, he's slotted it away. But I do feel that I would like to see a little bit more of Kev coming off his line and using his size. Because I, I don't think there'll be many, uh, maybe an Anton Dowds, but there won't be many forwards or, Players that are going to be interested in getting involved with him at six or six coming out for a ball. If like folk will just run away for it, so I, I just think that he needs to be a bit more off his line at times. But yeah, that that's just my opinion. But I I do think that some at some point we need to stop conceding for these set pieces.
4: I I would say that you're right in that, but in that instance yesterday, I think there was too many people between him and where the ball was. Um, I I can't see how he could have gotten through his own defenders and strikers to get to the ball. That would be my thing there. For, for I would me. agree
0: with that, John. I would say it was sort of like you're looking probably, what, third phase of play, really? Where it sort of like goes in, comes back out, bubbles about a bit, and then by the time it lands at the lad's feet, you're kind of like, well, it's happened twice. It's they're going to get the shot away unfortunately. Um and it's always going to be difficult in those sorts of situations to defend. But I, I mean I can get where Scott's coming from because okay. over the course you you look at it and it's been a, as you say, it's been last season we had I remember the end of last season talking on K one oh seven and all the chat was about how many sort of goals we conceded from set pieces. So it is a recurring thing. But again we've got the we've got the personnel to deal with it now. That's the thing. Um, it was good in Ian Murray's interview that he, he clarified about Ian Murray, because I know that I'd said on the pre-match there had been a bit of speculation online that Ian Murray's shoulder was gone and that he needed some surgery. and uh, Murray's just basically came out in the presser after and said uh, it's just been a strained neck. Couldn't shift it before the game, but seems to be in the right direction. So hopefully he'll be back to, to offer us a bit um, against Sporting because Lord knows that we need it <laughs> against <laughs> Great Nick Morton, but we'll come on to them in a wee bit. Yeah, I I I'm I agree
1: with you, Robbie. I think with that one, it's the first ball's definitely it's too deep. It's it's far too deep. The one that, that James Brown loses out for. The second one, I think you'd have to be very very brave to go kind of flying out of that one. And I don't know if anybody saw Partick Thistle on Friday night. Um, their goalkeeper was coming for everything, and it was wild. You could see his defense were, were very. Um, kind of shaken up by it, but then the third one, the one that both Ashcroft and Watson go for, that's the one I think potentially Kev could actually go and try and punch that. But at that point, I wonder if he's actually seeing the fact that both centre halves are already going for it, and he's kind of taking that step back. So I mean, like, there's very few goals that are completely unpreventable, and if you pick that through, you can you can find kind of points to improve on. But um, in terms of the so, I mean that was only 10-11 minutes in so the, the sort of 15 minutes after that um, which is the only the only thing that happened 15 minutes after that was that I came in and I can actually start sort of giving you some <laughs> observations after that point but Graham after that point how did the Rovers respond to being sort of pegged back?
2: I, I think for that until probably what five minutes before half time um, that that was the only thing that he had that was worrying us John,
1: we'll come to you uh, just to answer the same question, effectively. Um, so that kind of period after the goal, um, I think the one there was one kind of incident in that time actually, which was the booking. Uh, the boy Mackenzie kind of clatters into James Brown. I've seen a couple of different opinions on this, and I, I mean, I've seen it on the highlights. What was your take on on that period and that um, that booking?
4: Well, I think the game kind of settled down, and it was um, it. it... I think it was quite even even Stevens then. Um, unfortunately, I was standing on that terracing but at the side, so I just saw the the ball going up the wing. Uh, Brown, obviously, was there, and the next thing he was wiped out. So I didn't have a, a clear view of it, but when you see it on the, on the highlights, it's quite rash, isn't it? And it's quite... And, the, the challenge seems quite high up as well on the on Browns. I don't know whether he saw it coming and was able to kind of ride it out sort of thing, but um, it did merit a booking, uh, so uh, McLean got that one right, so that, that was fine. Um, but, yeah, up until then, uh, the only exciting thing was you arriving with your dad and saying... <laughs> was a hellish time getting here, um, Yeah. So. Uh, yep.
1: Excellent. Yeah. It was. Uh, it was nice to see you. the Very first face we saw oh, as okay. we, uh, as we came in.
4: No, that wouldn't be nice. Okay. <laughs> and
1: I think the um, the next sort of notable uh, incident after that, um, again, you know, kind of decent, a couple of few, I don't know, kind of half chances for the Rovers, and then. Um, Dylan Easton goes through and hits the bar, um, and I mean at that point, Graham, did you feel like the the Rovers were kind of in the ascendancy, sort of approaching half time?
2: I, I thought we were for the for the full first half. Um, as I say, I, I think their goal was probably the first chance there first and relatively only chance they had for the first forty minutes. Um, Easton's shot was outstanding. Just his ability to to bring that, take his man on, size him up, have a wee look, and and hit it from the angle he was at, was from from behind the goals at the other end. It looked outstanding, piece of skill. Um, and we we were, we seemed to have control of the middle of the park. We seemed to be playing well. Um, yeah, it just to me, it just seemed like a matter of time before we would get get the lead again. And so, so there was
4: also there was also the Sam Stanton one where he was he seemed well out. You know, and, and quite close to the goal line, and somehow he he, he shot, and the fourteen-year-old goalkeeper <laughs> did quite well to palm it away. Uh, but you know that was Sam Stanton getting on the end of something, and then then you did you had your Dylan Easton crack in the bar.
1: Yeah, it's, it's he looks like he's he's kind of running into no man's land, Stanton. You know, he looks like he's, he's too wide and he's he's not got an angle. And, uh, I mean, whether that's a, a cross I or a I didn't actually think target. it
3: was a shot. I thought he'd crossed, meant to cross it. it no,
1: just I didn't think it, it was a shot. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he would tell you it was a shot. And, and I mean, the, the technique's spot on either way, but <laughs> I think he was looking for somebody in the middle of that. Yeah. Um <laughs> But yeah, as is as is often the case, when uh, everything seemed to be going quite well and uh, you know we were all enjoying ourselves, we were uh, it, was, it was thrown back in our faces as um, fairly innocuous kind of um, incident. You know, a, a ball goes through Lee Ashcroft's a half yard ahead of Anton Dowds as he goes in to try and clear it, and a little bit of a coming together. I thought at the time. That it was just purely the contact. Although looking at it from the the other angle on the the video, it does look like um, kind of Lee Ashcroft. It's kind of in the way that he falls. He's he's holding his
0: hamstring. Um, Robbie, is that the is that the most Wraith Rover's thing you've ever seen? Uh, completely and undoubtedly it is. Uh, you sign a centre back, you get in a big battle, they get him. He looks like he's going to be an absolute unit. Performs well from the start of the game. And then, next thing you know, he's off injured, pulling with a hamstring injury. As you say, it looked very innocuous, much like uh, Stanton's one in the last game against there. There was sort of like, it was similar area as the lad, but I don't think there's anything to suggest that it was anything other than just unfortunate. And this is really where coming in and adding the likes of Ashcroft and Brown makes a big difference because, fortunately, we've had a chance to rest Ewan Murray um, so ideally if he can come back Scott Brown deputised so well yesterday at centre back it looked like we really reaped the benefits out of him playing there earlier in the season and I know that it's been a little while since he has played there so he's really stepped up to the mark and, and just grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck, playing in that position and um to be honest for all Ayers possession in the second half I never really felt like they were too much of a threat, I know Graham you were saying at the time you were a bit like I feel like we're losing a bit of control in the game but they had a lot of the possession but you didn't feel like they were going to do much with it and I think that that was down to the performances from Brown and, and Watson so again, another new centre-half combination as far as I'm aware uh, I don't know if we've had that one yet but we moved forward and uh, yeah, they they did really well, so fair play to them
1: Yeah, I think it's uh, notable that Scott Brown again, dropping back into defence but dropping at the other side this time so actually, he's played, you know, kind of the right-hand side of that central defence with Ewan Murray. As you say, went in the left-hand side alongside um, Keith Watson. And yeah, I mean, looks like a defender now, really, when he does it. I mean, um, he's still, I mean, he's not necessarily sort of excelling as a defender, if you know what I mean. But he doesn't look like a midfielder who's just getting by anymore. He is, you know, he's actively... Uh, a part of that defence when we're asking him to do it but in terms of that decision um, Scott, Ian Murray he, there are probably a couple of different ways that he, he could have addressed that so he chose to put Kyle Turner on um, and drop Scott Brown back is that the decision you would have made uh, and and um, what are your thoughts on, on sort of what the alternatives could have been
3: I'm not sure if it would have been the one I they went for. Uh, purely down to the fact that I think it, we knew that Brown was likely to go back. So I probably would have just went with somebody the most similar to Brown. Which on the bench yesterday was Ross Matthews. If Sean Byrne had been on the bench it would have been him. But I think the fact that uh, that it was Brown that was going to drop back. Or, I mean, you're saying about alternatives. you could have actually just went for an actual centre-half stuck Dylan Cord on. Your problem with that is he's not played a lot of football since the Queen's Park game that he played the full 90 in. It's the sort of thing, do you want to play somebody that's not played for six weeks or do you want to go with somebody that's kind of been playing minutes between then and now? So He clearly went with Turner. I don't know if it was just to try and keep as much creativity on the park as possible to try and really break through the lines of the air midfield because they... We've seen a few times this season where that they're really compact and they try and force us to go out wide, and they're happy for us to go out wide because, oh, especially in the four four game, that they were so narrow and it was so hard to play through them, even when they went down to ten men. So I think Brown Scott Brown's actually kind of kept that, but uh, no, I thought that it was possibly. It wasn't, it wasn't a bad decision. I just It's not the one I would have went for in the end. And so I, I would have went with Matthews and then allowed Scott Brown to go back. It's
1: it's interesting because there's, there's definitely pros and cons to all of these. And I think, as we've said a lot of times this season, the end result justifies that decision entirely. And, you know, in full, that's you won 2-1. So well done, Ian Murray. That's, that is
0: the correct decision objectively. Um, but I you, think... Um, um, just to come in there, I think it's interesting with Kyle Turner, just how because he did everything asked of him yesterday, I almost feel like he gets treated a bit like a winger in the way that like wingers are seen and how they play the game, a winger is not really deemed as successful in a football match if they don't go on and drive and you notice them beating their man every single time and getting assists and things like that, I feel like Kyle Turner almost suffers from that slightly like he was f I felt he was fine yesterday, um, in terms of his performance. Didn't put a bit wrong. But I think that people have got this it's almost like this higher expectation with Turner that they they're expecting him to be this sort of Sedan esque, like pulling the strings in the heart. And he almost suffers from that a little bit, that um he gets held to such high standards that it does make it quite tricky. Um but I still feel that there's a player there that we're gonna see. I I'm sticking by this and I'm fully on board the the Kyle Turner January low-knee train of signings that came in. I'm completely behind the, the the lot of the four of them. Um that they've just been good additions and that I think that Turner will step up to the plate. It's just a matter of when. Um, so I'm quite intrigued. And I know that we had a bit of a chat in our, our sort of WhatsApp, and different people were sort of saying, "The more it goes by, the more it doesn't look like the greatest decision." But I still feel like if you'd offered it at the time, you're still one hundred percent taking it. And there is a, a championship player, the team of the season player in there. It's just about when we get it. Um, yeah. And even yesterday, I think that he did did fine in keeping the game ticking over. Um, so, aye, yeah. You I mean
1: you could go back to the the episode we recorded immediately after he signed? And we were delighted. We were we were absolutely cock a hoop, and and um, the fact that in the four or five games he's played since then, you know, he hasn't scored a hat trick or anything doesn't doesn't change that. I mean, it would have been nice if he had done, and and he's had a couple of games. That I'm sure he would say would be kind of below the standards he would expect of himself, but yeah, he's not been he's not been terrible by any means at all. He's still a very very good player, and I think the thing with like yesterday, for example. You've got Sam Stanton in there who's doing everything that he does. And you've got Lewis Vaughan, who we're obviously about to talk about in a second, who's doing everything that he does. So actually, you don't necessarily need Kyle Turner to be doing a lot of the, the kind of flashy stuff and the showy stuff. Just keeping the ball moving, using it well, not giving it away, that adds up to an awful lot. You know, you, um, to put it another way, if Kyle Turner hadn't had a good game yesterday, it would be abundantly obvious because we would have been losing the ball constantly and not able to get it back. And that's, I mean, I, yeah, you're right. He didn't do anything that was ever going to grab any headlines, but equally, I mean, he played that's what we needed. Yeah, exactly. That's it. And
2: um, I think it was the, the the only issue with bringing Turner on is you push Stanton back five ten yards.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That that to me. Was what would make me think it was a wrong substitution. I think we lost the impetus to Sam Stanton. Sam Stanton became the sitter, basically. And I would rather have had Ross Matthews as the sitter and Sam Stanton doing Sam Stanton stuff ten fifteen 15 yards further up the park.
0: I um, think it's that's, a, that's the only change I would have made. So, what I would say to that is, and you and Scott are obviously the, the same opinion with it, um, I think the only thing is that with Ross Matthews, and God knows we all want Ross Matthews to be playing as much football as possible, but. That's, I think that's the main issue, that he's not had as much football, um, so he's, doing, he's gradually getting there in terms of the time on the pitch, which is great to see, because I don't want to see Ross Matthews go out on loan, for example. I want to see Ross Matthews in a Rafe Rovers shirt, but again, there's we've got such a big squad um, that you can afford to make these choices, in the sense of players like Ross Matthews maybe being on the bench until later on in the game, and then coming into a match, and I think it's yeah, I'm just glad that to be honest, that we've got Matthews there and that he is sort of stepping up to the plate because I thought he was superb when he came on. Did yeah. you notice? Did you notice when Murray made the substitution um, of Lewis Vaughan?
2: He put ten up and Kyle Turner actually turned and thought it was him. <laughs> he actually thought it was 18. He, a he actually started walking because Lewis, Lewis Vaughan does what Lewis Vaughan does, right? Lewis Vaughan obviously knows he's coming off and goes as far away for the the, the, ben- the subs benches as he can, like most players. Do. It's like. An old-fashioned, I like Totten tactic. Yeah, do things Aye. like run the clock down. So he runs away as far as he can. And Turner just turns around, looks, kind of shakes his head, points at himself. And then, because I, I don't know if that's a confidence thing. And that's probably what's made me think he didn't have as good a game as, as others think, that he actually thought he was coming off. I think, I mean, it's maybe
1: maybe reading too much into it, but I think there's also the number 10 goes up and Kyle Turner's like, that's what I do. And that's, but that's not what we've asked him to do basically at any point since he's come yeah. in um, and I think that's where for, for a number of these different things that we've actually just talked about Matthews as well three games in six days I think we're going to see a lot of the guys that we've been talking about oh well, this guy might need to be patient or is this guy going to get a chance to play in his preferred role you're going to see a lot of that over the next couple of days eh, over the next well, four or five days
4: now um, I'd I I'd like to come in on the Kyle Turner thing because I thought yeah. yesterday was his most effective game um, I thought he did what we wanted him to do in that situation come on, win balls, get the ball moving but there was another aspect to his game that I quite liked and that was occasionally he was having a wee nip in uh, the referees ear in a, in a nice way, he wasn't he mumping and moaning But it was a good thing because it's maybe something that we didn't have enough of in our team at times. You know, I always used to think Christoph Berra uh, was a step up from an Ian Davidson. Ian Davidson would go and shout and have a go at referees, whereas Christoph Berra, when he came, he was very respectful to referees, but he'd done as much moaning as Davidson did but he did it in a nice way. So I thought yesterday Turner did that, but he was very tidy in, in winning balls and moving it forward. Uh, so I've been critical of Turner's uh, maybe not hitting their ground running, but I do know that he had a wee injury when he came in. So I, I have to say I thought yesterday was his best performance in a Rovers
2: do you think yeah. he saying to the ref about the goalie stealing yards? Uh, I've, no. I've never seen a, a goalkeeper, I was going to say punished, he wasn't he punished, but being called up for stealing yards as much in a game before in my life. I thought
1: that was right. bizarre at the end when he, the, the ball right. was maybe about an eighth of an inch outside the six-yard box and he sent him back to take a goal. Like he's about to knock this ball 90 yards. It really makes very little difference. Right. Silly,
2: silly, silly old firm pup. Needs to be have a slap in the proper leagues and he does learn these things.
0: (laughs) That's air speaking for you there, Graham. eh? They absolutely despise Stephen McLean. So (laughs) nice to see that's another another one added to the lost column. I I thought it was an odd game from the referee. Like
1: he seemed very changeable in terms of what he was given and what he wasn't. So there was a couple of points where I think it was Nick McAllister. Um, was kind of put under pressure from uh, kind of rovers forward There was two in about a space of about five minutes first one was Rudden, and he let it go for a really long time so it was like, McAllister was over Rudden, Ruddon was over McAllister and it was only when Rudden basically went to the ground and was still pulling his jersey that he gave the foul five minutes later, Vonnie goes down at the same part of the pitch oh yeah goes beyond, I think it was McAllister it could have been um, Sanders goes beyond him and there's the lightest of touches and he gives it immediately.
0: And there was yeah. a couple of others where he did very, very similar, where it was like minor I'm not contact. sure if I'm thinking the same instant, but there was one in the second half that was down by the, the railway end, the stand side corner, where Vaughn went by and he went mm. shoulder to shoulder. I think it was with McGinty. And
4: McGinty, McGinty just guy.
0: went down like a sack of spuds. He's, he's like double the size of Louis. And yet the referees blown for the free kick. And even the the how shall we say, the partisan commentary of Air United TV uh, were saying, Oh, I don't think he's got that one right, which takes some doing, it should be said. And I mean there was one there was one on the edge of our box as well
1: where um I think it was Logan Chalmers was he very lightly brushed off Sam Stant and the referee gave the free kick for it. It's like Aye. there's not a foul in there. But then on the total opposite side of the coin, you look at that incident where Ashcroft gets injured, it's, there's no malice in it. Um, but Anton Downs very clearly is second to the ball. Ashcroft knocks it away and they clatter into each other. And he waves I, play on. And you think, that uh-huh. would be the easiest thing, this is one thing I don't get about referees, it would be the easiest thing in the world just to give a foul there. Nobody's going to complain. There's two players who are hurt. You can just stop. And he waves play on. And you think, you can see both sets of players like, what are you doing? What just...
0: And they're not very odd. And yet, me, it's still an upgrade compared to, because a lot of the time you're not getting referees at that level due to VAR, those types of referees will be doing the top flight while they put the elite referees in the VAR. Yeah, You're still preferring actually, that to, to the, 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 the alternative. The main
1: incidents he got right, because these little things, it was quite odd. Overruled his mm-hmm. linesman at one point. John, you'll have got a good view of that. It was right down in front of you. Where, yeah. um, it was a five-yard pass that Vaughn was playing Easton. And the defender just gets his toes on it and knocks it out of play. And uh the linesman's looking right at it, flags it for us. And McLean just overrules him. Like, like, I don't know. But, uh, I I don't think he had a, a great bearing on the on the game. But let's um let's get at the goal then and this uh, this first touch from uh, from Lewis Vaughan. So um I'm gonna skip ahead very quickly and you'll see why. So when the halftime whistle went, um you know I thought alright okay we'll get a wee kind of chance to, to catch our breath and I was I was suddenly accosted by John Greer with his finger in my face having a dig at me because I said that I wouldn't have started Lewis Vaughan and he was <laughs> right there like, like a bullet to come in and, uh, and berate me for that and to be fair to you listen you're spot on John uh, that was that was having quite rightly having that thrown back in my face uh, of course I never should have doubted Lewis Vaughan at all Um because there's good work in the build-up in this, so a good couple of players who <laughs> deserve a lot of credit. But the first touch from Louis
0: Vaughan here is unreal. Can I mean, see, before we talk about that, can we put in a word for the ball from Zach Ruddham?
4: Yeah, yeah. Because yeah.
0: the the pass itself to get there, like the ball goes out to the wing, and automatically his heads up, and he says, "Right, I can see Louis is there. I know that he can take this down, and then he'll be able to do the work to get this in the back of the net." completely selfless, because he could run forward and go with the ball, he's just absolutely pinged in an inch-perfect pass, and then from there, we can, aye. I mean, it's uh, even like,
1: they win the ball back and um, sort of, it's Easton who just takes a nice wee touch to give himself a little bit of space and releases running first, and then as you say, um, it's it's a brilliant pass, but, uh, you, you said it there, it's one of these passes that's brilliant because Rudden knows he can take the gamble of if I put this into the right area, Vonnie's good enough to turn it into a good pass. Which is not to take away. It is, it's a very, very good pass. But there are some strikers where you would need to give them that ball on the ground, if it is actually, essentially, for them to be able to kind of and take that into feet. But how
0: can we put it? The big baldy front man receiveth, <laughs> the big baldy front man giveth also yeah I mean, because he basically takes it on what about halfway up his thigh into you his own into his own right. stride it's uh, the it's, it's finish is brilliant as well but the um, I enjoyed the pitch height cams as well as Ian Latos pointed out where the guy's got you've got this you've got this you've got this and he didn't have it he <laughs> yeah, didn't have it at all
1: you, you don't got this Um, right uh, Graham you, you first please give me your
2: uh, your your thoughts on this on this goal just uh, it was funny, it comes up I've said about the right back being hopeless But it, you hear it on Ian Murray's interview That we thought we could catch United out with a cross ball Yeah, A quick switch And that's what it looked like I, I was at that point down the side um, So you could see the, the play Easton made Played it to Ruddon And the ball Ruddon play, I, I'm sure he's played that blind as well I'm sure he's just played that blind He was, he was essentially going nowhere And he's just knowing if I had this in the right area Fantastic first touch. Think over the goalie. We abuse of the steward as you go past. Happy days. I tell you how good a cross that is. In his post-match interview, Ian Murray
1: attributes it to Josh Mullin. <laughs> <laughs> Both goals, Mullin's putting a really good cross. That tells you how good a cross that is from uh, from Zach Rodden. Um, right, John, I've I've already heard your thoughts on the goal, but tell everybody else how you uh, what you thought about that one.
4: Well, first of all, I thought my movement to get to you at half time was outstanding. <laughs> I mean, for a man of my Tuesday. Age. for a man yeah. of my age, it was. Amazing. And no, just as as um, Robbie says, the 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 whole move, Dylan East into Ruddin, Ruddin takes the man on and then whips the ball over, and it's uh, just a perfect ball. But then Louis, the way he takes it with his thigh. Um, moves on and then just lofts it over the goalie. Absolutely superb. So it's another one for the Lewis Vaughan showreel which is getting bigger by the week, isn't it? Um but just just a tremendous uh, goal build up play and a great
3: finish. Great.
4: That's it.
3: Um
1: Scott, anything you want to you want to add on that?
3: Yeah I mean the guys have pretty much summed it up pretty well yeah. there I think I was actually surprised that the boy, is it Silla that was playing in the middle of the park for air. He played that ball and it just never looked on at all, for especially in the highlights. It again, just confirmed that, that he's tried to pass a ball, I think, to Dempsey, but like Dempsey's got two guys around him and then Eastern's just went, all right, cheers. And then just, as you say, taking a couple of touches then just gives it to Ruddin, who's... Yeah, ran on and pinged a brilliant ball across. I mean, I think the boy Sanders has trying to claim that he can't see it because of the, the sun. Lewis Vaughn's also looking at that sun. So one of them's telling the truth. <laughs> so I, I, don't, I don't know, but to me, that I thought that just kind of summed up the first half that Jack Sanders had. I thought he looked like an absolute car horse, a defender. He looked awful. And I tell you something, that they'll be hating the fact that he's came for Kelly and he's having a shocker down there as well. Because the fact that they're loaning somebody for them as well will be killing them enough, never mind that he's mint. So, uh, no, I, I thought, and then the fact that he's taking it down on it, I thought he'd, like, need it, but in the end, he's taken it on his thigh, and then it just that uh, definitely flick over the keeper, and then I was a wee bit disappointed in this. Uh, well, he didn't celebrate as much as I thought he should have done. Because he's taken a lot of stick for air fans, especially the season that they went up uh, ahead of us as well, so I thought he might too uh, busy
0: shoving stewards out the way. I
3: well <laughs> that as well, but I thought he might have tried to the steward that.
0: looks round. The steward looks round to be like, what's going on there? Like thinking someone's jumped the wall? No, it's just a player that's bodying you out the way. Get out of the way. It's a way to enjoy himself. So that was the uh, that was the
1: forty seventh minute, which uh, a kind of perfect time to score. And then the, uh, then, then What's the second half...
4: It was the 47th half... minute for us.
1: Well, aye, it was 47th minute for you. I'd been there about 10 minutes by that point. <laughs> um, but the the second half then sort of happened. Um, again, I was looking at the Wraith the TV highlights, so they're almost exactly 10 minutes long. Uh, the second half begins at 7 minutes and 40 seconds and the last 30 seconds are just the the celebrations at full time. So there's, there's kind of one one sort of notable incident that, that I've pulled out of the second half. But if we want to talk about generally how the Rovers played, because I think it's the way the Rovers set up and the way the Rovers applied themselves, it's the reason that there was only really maybe two kind of um, chances in this for the for year. So um, Sean McGuinty does have a header that um, Kev Dabrowski touches onto the bar, and then there's kind of two very dangerous kind of in swinging crosses in quick succession that kev deals with very well but beyond that very little for for air to actually kind of cling on to in that game uh, on that half sorry so graham is there anybody in particular i can't imagine possibly who that you would like to kind of pick out from that rover's rear guard who maybe deserves a bit of credit from yesterday
2: <laughs> i don't know I, th- I thought I thought the second half was essentially, air hey, have the ball, we know you're not coming down, their left, our right, because Frankie Misunder's right-footed, Jamie Murphy doesn't go on the outside, so all they had was, a, a, basically a diagonal ball trying to get to Chalmers, and I I I wake up in the middle of the night in cold sweats thinking about Liam Dick against Logan Chalmers because <laughs> it never normally ends well. I'm sure Liam done.
0: Dick wakes up the same. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. I did I thought, enjoy that thought. in his uh, post-match interview that he was like acknowledged it. He was like, "It's not the easiest."
2: Right. But I thought. I thought even for the first minute, I thought him and Easton um, against Sharmas were they were they were really good. They were really compact. They handled them well. He had that wee spell just before half-time. I think he got shot away, um, and he cut inside once. But I think second half he had his number. I absolutely mm. had his number. The fact that he also injured them. Oh, I couldn't say that. Shoulda. <laughs> oh no, we can't see. we can't say we're happy that a Ray Rovers player injured an opponent, especially one that is actually from Dundee United. Can not say that? We'll have to edit that a bit out. Um but the fact that that forced him off and then McGeady come on and we, again again honestly think we just went Air United, hover the ball, see what you can do. That was a load to me. That, that was, that was just local, the strategy.
4: Local,
2: the, the local reports I'm getting are I we you know, Wraith didn't do anything in the second half. Didn't he have to? Or that's that's the one thing that,
1: I no obviously we, we've been talking about it a lot the fact that all these games are decided by a single goal, but they're got the confidence to do that now um, to see out a lead and listen. It's not always going to go for you. You will sometimes can see that a goal out and nowhere, but um, you know that Arbro sub goalie proved that. But the um, it was a very deliberate strategy, as you say So right, I can I mean, looking at this. There's only a couple of ways you might actually hurt us. So, you know, come and have a go. See if you can.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, yeah, I thought Liam Dick was excellent. Um, again, he's got an interview with Wraith TV. It's well worth watching. He speaks very well about it. And as you say, he, he almost owns up to, to how difficult uh, an opponent, Logan Chalmers, is. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like got by him once in the entire game. Uh, Liam Dicks, said that. That was the sun was in his eyes. And he just um, kind of catches him wrong side. Other than that, barely got a sniff. Um, and Dylan Easton deserves a lot of credit for that as well, so we talked last week about how well um, Callum Smith did with his kind of defensive duties, Dylan Easton did the same thing yesterday, and again, Liam Dick says it in his interview, like, Dylan Easton probably not the most enjoyable afternoon that he'll have, that's not how he wants to spend his Saturdays, you know, tracking an an opponent, but he did it and he did it brilliantly, and as you say, Graham, that was really air's one clear route to goal and the rovers really kind of shut that down. And so it's it's it is it's set pieces that, that they were almost relying on. Um John, is there any point in that second half that you thought the you know the tide might turn a little bit? Were you kind of concerned no, at any stage?
4: No not really. And I think the other one that needs a bit of praise is Keith Watson's come back in the last two games and and really showing us what he's all about. And, and really disappointing for him that he's missed such a, a... Is it something like 19 games he's missed through through injury? But he's shown us what what a player he is, you know, and what an asset he is to have at this time of the season. You know, we've got big games coming up, and I think you said it earlier, everybody's going to have to, to play their part. But it's great having him back there, at the moment but I think everybody the work rate or oh, everybody uh, was very good yesterday but Lewis Vaughan for me stood out for, for his work rate as well there's an incident where I think they, they're, they're up on the up on their right and Lewis is the one that's back there winning the ball and bringing the ball away from the box you know I thought he put in a a hell of a shift yesterday, which was uh, just what we needed. But I think the whole defence uh, get credit, and Kevin with a couple of really good saves when it was needed as well. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, Robbie, give me your thoughts on the on the second half, and then you might as well actually just just take us into the, the kind of man of the match conversation as well. Give us your pick, and anyone else you want to to kind of shine a light on.
0: Yeah, uh, second half was. It was one-way traffic, but we were in control of that traffic. Uh, very bold strategy, considering the 4 all game at Starks Park, where they were playing on the counter and turning us over. I thought, from the back, Big Kev was magnificent. Um, he didn't really have as much to do, but when he did needed to step up, he, he did tremendous, especially given, I said before the match, that you want Kev to have a big game after the... Uh, that 4-0 game where quite their fans were quite vocal in their criticism of him almost, in a sense, or dismissive about him, saying, oh, he's a terrible goalkeeper, but he'd been playing injured. Um, so what some of the more prominent fans of Air United on Pie and Bovril were sort of saying, oh, that goalkeeper's awful, we could have scored as many as five or six. But I saw someone, again, sorry to interrupt, but I saw someone compare
1: him to Denise Mehmet this week. Mm. I have never been so insulted on somebody else's behalf in my entire
0: life. But again, look, it's, he was playing injured at that point, as I say, and he stepped up to the plate tremendously there. Across the back line, Liam Dick was fantastic, did his job really, really well against a player that's caused him problems, as you have spoken about. Scott Brown already mentioned about how he's done really well to go into that back line and adjust from playing in midfield to being a centre-back again. Keith Watson's come in and he's week by week getting more and more game time, getting up to match speed um, and then you've got James Brown to, to round things off and he put in a really assured shift on the right side and um, again we never saw anything really come down that flank and that's probably, you've got to give him credit because that's down to him as well uh, for, for putting in that performance so again it was, it was one way traffic but we did our jobs, we had the, the goals and there wasn't really anything to worry about, and we still were creating the odd moment up the other end, and and you could sense the frustration as they got to full-time. But when you've got players, I mean, they were really just Sean McGinty hoofing the ball up the pitch by the end. That was pretty much it. I don't think there was too much else to them. They're quite a, a one-dimensional side if you take out Chalmers, and... Yeah, there wasn't really much to to threaten us and I felt towards the end of the game that we were in control and when the full time whistle went I wasn't really surprised so a really good win on the road. If we're talking about Man of the Match there's quite a good number of candidates I would say Um, so I don't think anyone should be uh, too disappointed if they're they're not getting a mention here. For me I I felt uh, a goal and an assist is an easy one to go to but Zach Ruddham I thought he had a really good game. He was everywhere, holding up the ball, bringing others into play. Gets his goal, which he takes really well. Gets an assist, which is even better. And overall, over the piece, looks just a really, really good signing that we've made. And I know that Ruddon's the type of player where people will look at his goal return and maybe be a bit dismissive, but I think he's been a really, really good addition. I'm very happy that we've got him on board and I can see him as games like that go on. He's going to get so much more confident and kick on. So, yeah, I think that Ian Murray should be given a lot of credit for for bringing him in and he'll add so much to the team, as we're seeing.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, you see, I mean, Man of the Match is a really interesting one for this. As you say, a lot of people could be mentioned. I've got six names against, sort of like, discussed Man of the Match, six names, and uh, there's like three guys who could quite justifiably be added to that. Um, Scott, uh, Man of the Match from you, please.
3: Yeah, I kind of echo what the guys were saying. I thought second half we just looked really assured and it's actually really good to see that because there's been a lot of times that we've just been very hectic in the second half, no matter if we're winning, drawing or losing. And it's actually good that we've just got that sort of calm head and at the back with Keith Watson being back. I think that's actually helped with him being back is the fact that he's probably been a bit of a calming influence or... Like whoever he's playing next to, but also for uh, having Brown and then also Liam Dick, because Liam Dick came in for a lot of criticism over the festive period, especially when we were losing a lot of goals. And, I mean, he, ah, he wasn't playing well, but we were also chopping and changing this back four, back three, whatever we were playing. So I think now having the likes of Watson there is definitely going to help these full-backs out a lot. And he's played at the top level in Scotland, and he's played at a good level, so he'll he'll know what he's meant to be doing and how he's meant to assure his guys. But So I, I had, it was either Keith Watson or um, Dylan Easton for me. I thought Dylan Easton put a brilliant amount of work in. We've already uh, talked him up, but and Liam Dick talked him up in his post-match interview. I just thought the work he went through, and it's the first time I think I've seen Dylan Easton pull up with cramp at the end of a game, and that just shows you, obviously, <laughs> the effort that he put in. And it, it obviously, I think Murray's kind of telling him, look, we've got no subs, so you need to get on with it. It was only a couple of minutes to go, but it was, yeah. It just showed you the sort of work that he'd put inside. So I don't think anybody was worse than a 7 out of 10, but I think I probably would have gone with either Keith Watson or uh, Dylan Easton myself.
1: Just to, to your point on Watson, and, and to be fair, Scott Brown as well, we talked in the pre-match about Anton Dowds. You scored a hat-trick last week. We barely mentioned them, today. And I think that speaks volumes for how effective Keith Watson and, uh, and Scott Brown were. Um, Graeme,
2: can I get a, a man the match from you, please? I would probably, I think I said after the game, Josh Mullin, Dylan Easton, um, or Liam Dick, I think. M- Mullin got us the start. Yeah, and he, he was forever closing down, harrying, hassling. Um, but Easton, and especially for it being a, a non-Dylan Easton performance, you know, it, there was there was nothing. Well, apart from the shot that hit the bar. Yeah, he did a lot of hard work, and he did a lot of what you'd say was Dylan Easton stuff. Probably twenty yards further back than he should be doing it. But I think overall his performance was excellent. He didn't panic. The second goal, he didn't panic. He won that ball, and he looked up, and he wanted to play, and he played in Ruddy from there. Um, whereas someone of of lesser ability might have gone. We're under a wee bit of pressure. It's nearly half time. I'm just going to hoof this up the park. It's um, great I'm to see him looking,
0: really looking more Dylan Easton-esque, though. Like in himself, he just looks like, again, maybe the confidence stepped after going through a few rocky games. But you can see him get back to old self and just kicking on, and that's exactly what we need. He's such a huge player for us, so it's great the to decision see. Decision making was excellent.
1: Yeah, D- Dylan Easton was the one that you know at the final whistle that sprung to mind for me yeah. as the as the man in the match. I thought he was brilliant. I wanted to. I was going to mention uh, Josh Mullen as well because we said it last week. Where um, you know earlier in the season we were getting these running stats, and you'd think, "Oh, Josh Mullen's <laughs> come out on top again." Maybe you're not necessarily seeing it. Yeah. But uh, Friday night last week, you absolutely saw it, saw it again yesterday. Um, he was everywhere. He was an out ball. He creates the first. Ian yeah. Murray thinks he creates the second. Like well, you know, there's there's. Um, I thought he was excellent. I mean, absolutely, you could justify. really, just about anybody. Uh, but John, um, final pick from you, uh, man of the match, please.
4: Well, I said it on the on the way coming home last night, I thought I thought Louis was man of the match just for his his work rate, his his goal. Yeah, but the other guys weren't far behind them. You know, I would echo everybody's words. Everybody. Everybody had at least a nine out of ten for me yesterday.
1: A, you really couldn't. I know um, it was a, I think it was in the inside match day. They'd done the United game. Scott Brown was kind of running back across the park after an interview with the BBC, and he had the man of the match. And I mm. wondered after the game because they never actually they didn't do it live in the telly. So I watched yeah. it back, and they they didn't give it to him. And I wondered, have they given it to him, or have they actually said? Uh, right, Scott, going to just go and give that to somebody in the dressing room when you get back down there. Um, I Maybe think...
0: they earmarked a United player for it and then <laughs> possibly changed their mind had to frantically just scalp one in from 30 yards.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. But it's one of these ones where if you walked into the dressing room with a man in the match award at the end of that game yesterday, quite easily nine or ten Rovers heads could have gone up to think, Am I getting this? And
0: justifiably so. Um, but that it should then see just to come in just a final point um it's so nice with the squad I know that we've touched on it like so often across the podcast but the fact that you can have Callum Smith and Aiton Connolly not even come off the bench and we can keep them fresh for the Morton game if we need to use them because there will be lads that will need to come in for this Morton game that's coming up that we're going to speak about so it's just good that you've got that depth because either a Callum Smith or Aiton Conley can come on and be match winners and man of the match so ah, just the depth that we've got just ridiculously good and um, hopefully it gives them a chance to, to stay fresh for that match in the midweek Yeah,
1: uh, Robbie I'm going to stick with you actually going into the
0: Morton game um,
1: because we have both in kind of relatively recent weeks Sort of debased ourselves on this podcast by saying nice things about Airdrie. Um, are we also going to have to say a couple of nice things about Morton going into
0: this one? Is calling them consistent being nice? It's nicer than I would like to be about Morton. Uh, well, look, the last time we played them when they were out, um, down on their luck, um, Emery was maybe getting a bit of questioned. Um, about how the team have been performing and what's happened. But since then, they've really turned a corner and 15 games unbeaten is a really, really good run. But at the same time, look, we know what to expect and it's, it's, it's going to be a tough game. Nobody's going to go in a game against Morton and then come out the other end like a Jim Goodwin and go, oh my God, long throws. How could you do that to us? Like, we've just got to, we know what's coming, just got to deal with it. Um and they are a good outfit. Uh, Big Oakley, he's in really good form. Um, albeit there is suggestions that him and potentially Robbie H- Muirhead might not make it, whether how true that oh, is really? yeah, um, is to be seen. But we just know it's going to be tough. They're hard-working, uh, physical and just got to get on with it. Right, I mean, I, I'll, I'll take the
1: bullet then. I'm going to say a couple of nice things about Morton. Because we've taken great time previously to kind of to tag them off because the sort of previous iteration if you go to 16 plus games ago they were just you know a big kind of gang of brutes rocking up for 90 minutes to see what they could shake loose and when you're not getting results I think you get all the criticism that you deserve because you're just turning up and, and being physical no intention to play football Everybody's going to criticise you As soon as you turn that into positive results I think, as far as I'm concerned Fair play I think that that suddenly then becomes Legitimate, absolutely fine I've got no issues with it And it's exactly like that As you say, Jim Goodwin being like Oh no, they've bodied us Like, Aye, of course they have It's up to you to to defend against that It's different if you If Morton turn up You beat them 3-0 and they've kicked lumps out of you, that's different to if they turn up, they beat you, and they did it by kicking lumps out of you. Because as far as I'm concerned, the end justifies the means. And they've not been beaten in 15 games. I watched them against Motherwell in the Cup, and I thought they were pretty decent. I thought, in fact, I'll go beyond that. I thought they were really decent. Um, I don't think they're world beaters by any means, but I do think that, again against what I would like to be saying, I think Dougie Emery deserves a fair bit of credit for what he's done, and I think this this becomes a really really
0: interesting game. Um, I would um, I would also add the caveat that we are the team that is ostracised by the media of Scottish football after Jack Hamilton's outrageous <laughs> tackle on Jack Walton last Friday.
1: It feels like that's uh, that's going to be like a real you ain't seen nothing yet from uh, from Dougie Emery's Morton, like. Um, <laughs> Like that's that's not a knife. This is a knife, and uh, they they could be kicking some size of lumps. Um, but we will uh, we'll we'll see. I just if I tell you this, if George Oakley and Robbie Muirhead are both missing, I would be delighted because they have. I mean, again, we, we talked about like um, Anton Douds yeah. and the Rovers dealt really really well with Anton Douds on Saturday, but trying to deal with what is effectively two Anton Douds is at once, is a very different um, kettle of fish. But turning back to the Rovers, uh, I'm fed up talking about Martin, a few decisions to be made on this one. Uh, So Ian Murray post-match talking about Lee Ashcroft and saying that effectively, basically what he said is I've got no idea, but it's a hamstring injury. So you're essentially talking about best-case scenario is two weeks. Realistic best-case scenario is four weeks. It's not a fanciful scenario at all to say that the season's over effectively like it really is you don't know but it is a hamstring injury so you have to wait and see i
2: can't um, believe we've got a player that's injured and he doesn't need a moon boot what's that all about <laughs> he's, he's, he's not on brand he's not been through his uh
1: his corporate wraith rovers induction yet. <laughs> yeah um so, decisions to be made on that front, you've got the possibility of Sean Byrne coming back in. So, he, again, according to Ian Murray, he's still doing sort of his concussion tests. Um, for this, for, for, you know, this is not necessarily what, how everybody thinks, but for me, if you're still doing a concussion test on a Sunday, Tuesday's probably too soon, but, yeah, you know, we'll see. Um, and then you've got your usual. Uh, decisions to be made in terms of the the kind of front line and the the sort of um, embarrassment of riches we we sometimes have in that area. Um, So, Graham, is there anyone in particular you want to see come in for this or or anyone you think um, Ian Murray might be particularly um, keen to bring in?
2: I think, obviously, we'll do the the and Murray for uh, Lee Ashcroft. And that puts Scott Brown at the base of the midfield and I think, even though we've said he was man of the match, I think Dylan Easton might set this one out um, and I think he'll vote for Callum Smith here. <laughs> it's funny because uh, I've got the
1: same team that you've just said except when I said I thought Josh Mullin was possibly the man of the match, he's the one that I've got dropping it and I've got Aidan Connolly coming in on the other side, but again it's, it's that thing, it's almost a case of like he's, he's run himself into the ground uh, two games in yeah. the bounce, so yeah. you should rest him for this one you've got him for Friday um, that I mean, very, very good news that you and Murray just seems to have had a you know, a crack in his neck, about <laughs> as much as anything, um, so yeah, you'd hope that he's in a position to uh, to come back in. Um, Robbie, what about you? Uh, kind of selection wise, anybody in particular you're you're hoping to
0: see? Uh, I'm quite hopeful that we get Sean Byrne back. Um, if he does come in, I think he would add a lot to the the midfield. Just and handling them because he's got that sort of dirty side to the game that would allow for him just to to run about and clean things up. I think it's it's a different task against Morton because Ian Wilson's been superb for them since he's came in on loan from Queen of the South. We don't know what their front line's going to look like um, and how that's going to shape up. And they've still got a fair amount of quality across their side um, and Admittedly, they do their job very, very well. I just—it's hard to say. I think that the thing is that we've got the options there to be able to change things up. It's just hard to say whether we change things for the sake of changing things. So I'm sure Ian Murray will have in his head about what exactly he's going to do, um, but I wouldn't really hesitate or, or really look to guess on it. Um, and I think that this is the the real. Time when we'll see the benefits of having a larger squad with more experience. Uh, so yeah, just uh, trust in trust in Ian Murray.
1: Yeah, I will say on on Sean Byrne, it was the game at Capello where Aidan Connolly scored his two headers. That was the the point for me that where it went from like yeah, Sean Byrne's pretty decent to like on oh, no, Sean Byrne's quality. He, he absolutely in ran the show that day. Yeah, um, Scott. Um, give me your thoughts on this one, and specifically, do you see a place for Ross Matthews going into this one?
3: Yeah, for I sort of scribbled out a lineup when uh, we were discussing Ellis saying that we would talk about the Morton game. So I, I've swapped actually both wide guys out. I just think that they both did a lot of running, and that I'd rather have two guys that are fully fresh that can go for seventy minutes and then walk better than you can bring on Josh Mullen and Dylan Easton with twenty minutes to go. Like that, you can you're almost laughing just thinking of that. And then Morton have got probably I think Cameron Blues or something to bring off the bench. It's like night and day what they can bring off compared to us. So I think that's the two main changes I think I would go for. Um I would love I would love to see Ross Matthews come in. I just don't think he'll do it The out I actually think there might be a chance that he maybe plays Matthews on Friday night uh, at Arbroath. It's that sort of game that just, I think Ross Matthews loves, just a sort of nighttime game. He probably wants it to be hammering down just so he can slide into challenges and be right up for it, but I, I just think that he might actually start Matthews on Friday, so I, I would just stick with Brown and Stanton again because I think we're all pretty much in agreement that uh, it'll be you and Murray stepping in for uh, for uh, the injured Ashcroft so I think and I would I would just keep going with Rudden. He's in form and he looks he looks good beside uh, Lewis Vaughan as well. So I wouldn't really change that too much. And if you just say to Rudden, look give me sixty again and get Hamilton to come on for that last half hour and cause havoc um I, I could argue see an argument for Kyle Turner come in mainly because I don't see Turner being as effective a way at our Purely down to the surface. I think Turner, on our surface, the way that he loves to... We've seen it in his his debut. He pings a pass on a grass surface in winter. I'm not sure how that's going to look at our grove. So if you're going to start Turner in any of these games, I think it's Tuesday night. And I think Morton are the sort of team that you probably actually need to try and play around and not play them at their own game even though they have played a bit better this season I just think that we've got to try and play a bit more tactical than what they are in terms of a bit more direct than us basically yeah
1: I um, I agree with you on, on keeping Rudden but actually just because we we barely mentioned uh, Jack Hamilton I thought he was brilliant again when he came off the of bench did exactly what we needed him to do and um, I don't think there's enough of a case to justify bringing him back into the starting lineup for Ruddon, given how well Ruddon played. But that's such a good position to be in to have um, Ruddon and Hamilton both in the, the sort of the form that they're in. Um, and uh, John, just give me your thoughts on uh, Greenock Morton and this uh, this game on Tuesday night,
4: please. Well, I, I think um, as you guys have said, oh. I think Ewan Murray will come back in if he's over his uh, sore neck. But I'm going to be a bit more radical. I'm going to say we'll start with both Ruddon and Hamilton up f- front. The reason being that they're a big physical outfit, and I think we'll we'll look to to have the physical presence of the two of them not only when we're attacking, but also when we're defending. I think that's where we'll there'll be a a slight change there. So I'm. I'm going to go for that, and I think there is an argument, uh, like Scott says, for for Turner starting the game as well. I think that would be a couple of changes that I would I would make. So that would be my my reasoning for these changes.
1: It's interesting, definitely. I hadn't really thought about it, but you, you you're right. I mean, it's very much a case of you could you can sort of match up to Morton in that sense and, and sort of beat them at their own game. Um, with, uh, yeah, I think uh, two teams both were sort of bebop and Rocksteady steady up front, just uh, knocking lumps at the opposition. Um, excellent. Uh, also, uh, also worth noting on this one, the Rovers board have uh, knocked prices down for this, which is commendable. I think we we're probably all in agreement on that. So, I think it's it's basically a tenner. In, um, I think kids are a fiver. Uh, I don't know. But
4: look it up. What am I
1: telling you? <laughs> It's cheaper than it would be otherwise is what i'm saying um someone who does proper research would have had those figures <laughs> at hand, but it's a tenor um so hopefully they got a nice um a nice kind of bump to the um attendance and a nice atmosphere and hopefully a couple of extra kind of travelling supporters there as well and um on the subject of uh, not doing enough research before talking about the rovers, Robbie, you wanted to body the five free press briefly uh, ah, during ah. this episode.
0: Yeah, um, I just—it's a—it's a point of frustration for me that we get such good courier sport coverage. We can well daily basis basically um, on that front, and yet it just feels. I have just noticed this recently, that so much of their stuff seems to be pulled just from Rafe TV interviews. So I put out a tweet, uh, I don't know, about a week ago or so, just sort of saying, like, hope they're on commission. or something along those lines. And then the latest article's just done my head in. It was... Um, the <laughs> to be, to they,
1: to be fair bark. now, to be fair, this was a direct quote they went and asked themselves. They got a chance for an interview.
0: Aye. Right. So the coverage <laughs> is basically the the lead for the question that's gone in, is asking Ian Murray about his thoughts on, what's the Philip Coleman is it? The, the Rangers manager and yeah. doing such a good job there. I just don't understand. Like, we are, this is the best that we're getting as Rovers in however long. And we're a point off the top of the league. We sold out our last home game at Starks Park, which has not been done for 27 years. Um, and yet, we're struggling to get someone to go down to Starks Park for for media for the local press. Now I don't know about like how it's set up in terms of, and I've got nothing personal against the person themselves, but I'm just I just want to raise the question about like why is the standard like so shockingly bad? Because everything else in the club's been pulled up, it, whether it's the fan base engagement with the fan base, whether it's the club, the standards on the pitch, whether it's in terms of taking on feedback. So it just it really really frustrates me that. We're just getting such a half-hearted approach from the 5 Free press. But again, raise the question. And yet their Flyers coverage, you get the editor going to the games and tweet blow-by-blow descriptions of the Flyers games. That's fair enough if you're a Flyers fan. But why is there such a big discrepancy? I don't understand it. So I just thought I would raise the question. Again, nothing personal against the guy. He's just doing his job. But at the same time, I think it's worth asking the question
1: and sort of point it out. It feels to me like that can only be a, like a leadership issue. And whether that's like local editor level, whether that's corporate stuff coming down. But there, there's not a... Listen, there's, there's not a sports John's shaking John, no, no, his head. John, off his
3: head because he's mentioned another sport. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, sorry, just to, just to quickly, just to, to finish that point. The only thing I wanted to say is there's not a sports reporter in the country who's like, oh, what's my local beat? Ray's Rovers, brilliant! I can't wait to go to bed in the morning and go and ask the Rovers gaffer about Rangers, right? They just yeah, you shouldn't be leading that. There's like, not a chance yeah. a sports reporter who wants to be doing that. That's because he's been told something. I'm, I'm making massive assumptions here, but something like you're not getting enough clicks. You need to get an old firm angle. Somebody, will, more people will read it. But I, 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 I would be very, very surprised but, if that is the responsibility but, or fault of the reporter himself.
0: Have a word with though. Have a word. Like think about it from our perspective. Like The people that are going to read it. You're never going to get Rangers fancy. oh my God, that was a tremendous article. I'm going to share that from the 5 Free Press because Ian Murray, a player that was made however many appearances during the mid-2000s, really care what he's going to say about Rangers. Like, come on.
4: Yeah, the I problem that, is, the, the problem with the 5 Free Press is they've closed the local office. They've got no local staff now other than uh, Alan Crowe. The guy that covers the Rovers um, is right? lives in Motherwell or something like that. He takes all his copy now from the Wraith TV interviews, which I think we've all noticed. So it's all to do with that. But I'm, I'm in agreement. They should not be covering stories about some Belgian boy or whatever he is.
0: I just think it's, well, it's a bit... I mean... It speaks volumes about the work that Davey, Neil, and the rest of Rafe TV do in terms of their coverage, that it gets pulled as like an easy source. But at the same time, come on, I think the Courier have done such a good job in terms of engaging. And I'm, I'll fully admit I'm a Courier stan, as it is. And I think that the, the work that, again, Craig Cairns has done, I speak to Craig quite regularly, Alan Temple, I've spoken to Alan quite regularly, albeit well, it's very frustrating when Dundee United score a goal and then he goes uh, full Brazilian commentator on you. Um, and even Ian Colin who's come in recently to take up the work, um, they just seem really engaged, really switched on. And then there's just this huge imbalance. It's almost just this sort of like apathy. Like Again, I can understand it if you are like you maybe got a few teams to cover, but it'd be great to, to actually know why. And I'm sure they can probably see it from our perspective, but it just kind of feels like they're just going to ignore it and just go down the same old same old, so uh, to me it, it reeks of
1: corporate mis prioritization. Uh, I think, um, if uh, I've never, never, I don't, I don't even know his name, the but the you know, the guy who had the byline for that article, I would be very surprised if he's thinking, This is I'm delighted that I've been able to go and do this today. I suspect that he would rather be doing it. It feels to me like um you speak to anybody who, who works in and kind of print journalism in particular at the moment and there very few of them are delighted with how their gaffers are running things and again yeah, kind of corporate level um but that was worth seeing because because not be didn't it be sticking rangers in your rovers coverage it's mm. not it's just it's not acceptable is it really um anyway Let's let's move into our, our kind of our uh, our final segment for today. Um, so anybody who listened to the the pre-match episodes for for Air United will have heard Graham's uh, diatribe. I think we can only call it on the uh, fashion choices of some uh, people. So uh, we're going to kind of take that tone, uh, direct it away from uh maybe our uh our fellow supporters and, and other people and instead we're we're going to turn it on the um kit designers of this fine nation and uh and in particular this fine football club because while we have seen some excellent rovers jerseys over the years and, and to be fair in particular quite recently there have been uh the odd there's been the odd kind of shocker in there as well so what I, what I want from my big question today is um, tell me about any... I mean, you can give me any from Scottish football if you like, but, but in particular, any Rovers kits that you can think of that were uh, particularly honking. And, um, uh, Graham, as the as the, the resident uh, fashion correspondent
2: for this podcast, we'll, uh, we'll come at you first. Oh, dear me. Um, I, I remember one back in the, the days where John and I were, were younger boys. Um, we never played in Navy Blue we played in uh, Royal Blue. And there were particular Royal Blue one, I think it was Kingsway Bingo was the sponsor. And if you look online, you'll see, a, a bizarrely a photograph of Bingo Simpson, our famous winger of the time, wearing such a strip. And it was a, a Royal Blue effort with kind of sky blue underneath it. And it had some sort of diagonal lines on it. Horrible. Absolutely horrible. I had a horrible one of these sort of... Um, collars, round collar and a wee sort of pin um, to hold the collar in place, just absolutely honking makes me think about some terrible players that we had playing for us at that era, where we seemed to be a, a retirement home for, for ex-Premier League centre-halves. Um, we seem to bring them in every, all the time, every, every ex-Premier League anything, we to be bringing them in. Um, I think at that time we were, what, probably consistently mid-table in the first division, which doesn't sound too bad, but it's just a bit of a May era for the Rovers I think and that strip was a bit kind of May at the time as well.
1: I um I have a jersey from I think roughly that era it's maybe the maybe the season before the one that you're describing there. I'll um I'll stick it on the hanger for the uh for the next <laughs> episode. Um Scott give me your, uh, no, your I you need
3: to get a strip. <laughs> <laughs> I think that
1: might be the one I've got as well actually. Um, right, uh, Scott, give me your uh, give me your pick for a uh, a kit you wouldn't want to see um, recreated by the uh, the fine people at Copa.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I think for for my like my generation anyway, I don't think we've had too many in terms of Rovers stinkers. I think we've had a few I wasn't a fan of, but like I wouldn't have said that they were absolutely horrible. I mean. The one last season, didn't they like because we couldn't win in it. Like, every time we played in pink, we just didn't win. So I was just like, I I refuse to like this top anyway. So it was was as simple as that. And then we were Rafe Dortmund for a season uh, with that Mm -hmm. yellow effort that we had a few years ago. Uh, Again, I wasn't a massive fan. I did actually get it, but I wasn't a huge fan of it. and then also the, I think we, we briefly discussed before we started recording, the sort of salmon kit that we had, sort of Brian Graham era. Again, wasn't really a massive fan of it, and it wasn't something that we'd really had before either. So I'm all for us, like, trying different uh, sort of kits out, but it wasn't one that I thought it worked. Uh, and then in terms of... Scottish football, I think one of the worst ones I, I came across was Hearts. at Thistle had, I'm not sure if it was their away kit or their third kit or whatever, but when they were in the top flight, they had one back in 2015, roughly, and it was like a camp, some sort of ca- army camouflage with pink, white and black, and it was just horrible. I mean, I don't know who came up with it, it was just terrible, and I'm pretty sure... I remember for social media that even the Thistle fans weren't a fan of it when it came out, and they were just like, why? But uh, no, that, that's the sort of one I would go uh, away for the over sort of thing.
1: I, uh, I quite like that Thistle jersey. I, I quite <laughs> like that. And I think that the sort of salmon, I think even salmon's kind, the sort of pink-ish um, kind of like, I don't know what you would call it, but that, that sort of weird pink kit that we had was I think, like, an attempt to do that kind of thing, like, let's be a bit different and there's not been that many pink kits and it, but this, the punch was kind of pulled and it ended up just being quite drab. And then... I mean... I'm
3: sure it also actually had a meaning, did it not have something to do with the Maggie Centre that mm-hmm. we did that? Uh, yeah. So it actually had, like, a reason behind well, it I'll, also. I'll just
1: stop slagging them off I... now, then,
3: so that, that, it off now So that's why... Well, that's why I also take it with
0: a pinch of salt. like that's a that's a, <laughs> that's a that's a great segue for my one then because my my one's the uh, Myeloma UK one which was the red and white away kit which had like Rudy Scatwell, Chris Johnson, just Jordan Thompson, uh Chris Johnston even and uh, who's Scott Roberts just waddling about in that kit. Uh, just been very <laughs> underwhelming. So I don't know. Maybe we just need to stop being charitable and just because it's like the benchmark for a, a terrible, terrible season. But uh, um, I, think I, I think, go, think I own. We just all need to go of off and jerseys. get sponsored by Nestle or something and just some horrible organization that's like, I don't know, causing issues across the world and we'll be Champions League winners or something. Yeah,
1: I think I own all of these, which says a lot about my own personal uh, kind of fashion you do it for the taste. Club, and also, exactly, how much of a mug hunter I am. But, uh, yeah, at that, the the Myeloma one really, it, it was someone like the day it was released said it, and I've never been looking in my head, it looks like like a printer that's running out of ink. It's like the jersey's fine around about the shoulders, and by the time it just sort of fades away. Um... But I just did to go back to that pink one. Uh, I've got no issues with the the sentiment <laughs> behind it. My biggest issue is the color of the the shorts and the socks, which were a oh, sort right. of burgundy kind of clarity oh, color, um, which which I, I was I was not a big fan of. But um, John, I've left you to last because um, I think you must own more Rovers jerseys than possibly anyone else outside of the uh, head of warehousing <laughs> at Joma. So. Um, Give me your thoughts on, on uh, you know, the, the, your, your pick for worst of all
4: time. Well, the, the sort of wishy-washy grey one that we had, um, the one that Ross Callaghan got sent off in his debut air. I was never a fan of that one. I've got it. But it looks like somebody's put a white top in with you, a pair of <laughs> yeah. blue socks or something, and it's kind of rad. I also remember... Did Celtic not have a terrible second or third strip when they were they were sponsored by People's Ford or something and it had brown in it, you know. The only other brown kit I remember, and Graham will remember, uh, back in the day when Admiral had a Covent- Coventry had a brown and sky blue kit, which was crazy.
0: Speaking of. Um... Speaking of that, actually, there's. I remember the season Dumbarton when we had Christian Nadi and Mark Stewart up top. I remember they came to Starks on the opening day of the season, and due to an oversight with their uh, kit supplier, I think they'd been given the wrong socks, and they're, I, I think it was a white away kit. But their socks were skin-coloured socks, oh, so it just looked, looked really weird, like just absolutely bizarre. We thank them free now; that's great. Ryan Conroy scored a free kick. I
4: that's know that. Pretty. I know that good. you said you didn't like I your you, the the Borussia Dortmund one, but I wore that in the Maracana when I was there on holiday. And I looked like a wee fatty Scottish minion walking about. going <laughs> <laughs> three nothing to anybody that would look. Uh,
0: so my over, you know what my overwhelming memory of that kit is is going up to Peterhead and watching Ian Davidson getting sent off for talking to the referee, just talking to the referee, not even a booking. He was straight red carded as we got defeated. Yeah, like, that's you know classic been... Davo.
1: They say that like vertical stripes are slimming. I think that kit proved like beyond any doubt that like big thick half blocks of horizontal stripes are absolutely the opposite of that. It was like I mean I know the they did the the kind of yeah. promo shots, it was like Davo and Benny up at the castle. They looked fine in it. Like they looked good. But anyone even slightly beyond that in terms of like body fat percentage,
2: not a flattering top. And, uh, I, have, I have I'll, I'll say nothing about spot. the players who were in the, the school hey, season. Here. I I have not. I sponsored that Weatherburn that season. Oh, as top as a tent. I was going to say, gonna say I, yeah.
1: <laughs> so that was he may or may not have been the player that came in. Mind there. <laughs> um, right, listen. I am gonna. I'm gonna bring us to a close on that note because uh, as as the YouTube viewers will have noticed, we've been talking for so long I'm now sitting in the dark um, It's Holly from Red Door <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was bright daylight when we started um, But once again thank you for, uh, for listening and for watching, um, by now you will know uh, how to find the Twitter, the Instagram, the Etsy and all that other kind of stuff, um, as we said remember it is uh, no more than a tenner to get into Starks on Tuesday night, so um, if you were on the fence about going, hopefully that tips the balance and we will see you there and we will be back on Wednesday night this week so that we can review that game and then look ahead very quickly to our broth on Friday night. So thank you again and goodbye.